don't wanna be Just someone that's new I speak my mind so free So you could hear the truth Yeah, no Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Truth For Youth with Micah Murphy. Guys, in a world where there's so many lies and half-truths and you don't know who to trust, who to believe, that's why this podcast exists. It exists to tell you the truth, not my truth. It's God's truth, biblical truth. And today I'm excited because I have another guest. I have NFL tight end Trey Burton, former Venice standout star, and he's going to be joining us today via a Zoom call and on the podcast. So we're excited to have him. Obviously, he is a man of faith. Obviously, he's a, he's a big name in Venice, the, the city where I am. And so we're going to talk to him and hear his story on his journey of faith and kind of where he is and kind of the, some of the highs, the lows and the struggles and things that he has learned throughout his career. And what he can give you guys as teenagers, as young adults, as you're still trying to figure out life, you know, what are some truths that he has recognized throughout his career that can help us as we're continuing to grow, right? We're never really arrive as being, you know, perfect Christians by any means. It's a journey. So what are some things that we can be doing to build on that? So Trey, man, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, bro. Thanks for having me. Well, man, first of all, it is great seeing you back playing. I know you've you've battled some injuries and kind of been out for a little bit, but now you're you're back. You had an amazing game this past week. It's good to see you out there and, and dominating. So that's uh, uh, congratulations on doing that. All right, yeah, so Trey, let's you, take it. it feels, oh, go it ahead. Feels good to be back. It feels yeah, good yeah, to be I back. Yeah, I bet, man. man I bet. Honestly. I bet you've been like itching to get back. Yeah. All right, so Trey, let's take it all the way back, man. Let's let's talk a little bit about your childhood. You know, you, you grew up in Venice. Don't know, were you born in Venice, Florida? No, no, I was born in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Um, was only there for a couple of days, and then my mom and dad split, and my mom went to Atlanta and had my middle brother Clay, who is still at Venice, um, teaching and coaching at the high school. Yeah. And then, um, then they moved. We moved from uh, Georgia to I think I think Sarasota or Venice, maybe Bradenton. Um, really early on, maybe, you know, when I was like two or one or two ish. And so I've been down there ever since. Okay. So, so take us a little bit through your childhood. So your mom and your dad split up, um, at that age. So you're, you're basically just with your mom and your brother at the time. So, so what was your childhood like? What was, were they, was your mom taking you to church? Were you already kind of established into, uh, religion or anything at that time? Yeah, I mean, we were really fortunate because um, my mom's parents lived down there with us. So whenever my mom moved, her parents moved with her. And so we always had like a good support staff. Like my mom, my grandpa was my father figure growing up um, until he passed when I was in high school. And uh, they were always there, you know, to help my mom with whatever she needed, you know, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, she needed them to watch us, you know, whatever the scenario was, if she wanted to ship us off up there for the weekend so she could have a weekend, you know, to herself and have some sanity. Um, so yeah, so they, we were fortunate to have them and, um, yeah, we, we grew up in the church, you know, we would go every Sunday. Um, I would say it was more of a religious thing, you know, where you would just go on Sundays, Sunday morning, um, you know, you'd sing, you'd go to church and then that was really about all we, all you did, you know, there was, we'd pray before dinner, but there really wasn't much, um, if I'm remembering correctly, much other than just going to church, you know, and saying we went to church on Sunday. Right. Okay. So where does that pivot for you a little bit? At, at what age do you start kind of getting more into to either church or having a relationship with God? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the same time for a lot of people, honestly, when you get to college, you know, when you have to walk it out on your own, you, you can't be dependent on anybody else's faith except for yours. You know, you don't have your parents taking you physically, making you go to church. You don't have, you know, your grandparents, whoever you're living with at that time, you know, they can't, you can't be forced to go to church. You kind of have to do it on your own and you got to wake up on Sunday mornings when, you know, you have so many other things you could be doing Saturday night, you know, late in the night or even Sunday, you know, during the day. So it really wasn't until my junior year in college until it really started becoming real to me. You know, I've always loved God. I've always wanted to be a Christian. I always, you know, um, enjoyed going to church, but it wasn't until, you know, I actually chose to do it on my own and, you know, wanted to, was seeking it out myself that uh, it became real for me. Okay. Now, if I'm, if I'm right, you were like in kindergarten, right? When you first 
prayed to receive yeah. Christ. I think your kindergarten yeah. teacher led you to Christ to some extent. You, yeah. Is it a Christian school? Yeah, I went to Venice Christian School. Yeah. Okay. So at Venice Christian School, I remember uh, Miss Karecki was my teacher, and she um, asked if anybody wanted to pray to receive Jesus into their hearts, you know. But when you're that young, it's more about, like, I want to go to heaven over hell, you know. It's not necessarily like a relationship thing. Absolutely. And so ob- obviously, anybody, you know, with the right mind would be like, yeah, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, no pain and, you know, no crying and no sorrows. Like, uh, of course, rather than being burned, you know, for the rest of my life. So uh, it was, for that, it was more of just, you know, that reason. And then, you know, um, like I said, as you, as I'm growing up, it's still more of like, um, not necessarily like forced, but that's what we did on Sundays. You know, so yeah. it was so beat into us and our grandparents. You know, grandfather was a deacon, grandmother played and uh, played the piano, was in the choir. So uh, it was just more of that. You know, there wasn't as much relationship. There was times, you know, like I said, I love God. There's times when I was in church on Sundays where I was like, man, I really feel the Spirit's presence. You know, and I really think this is um, something that I want to take my next step in. But, you know, the daily grind of life happens and, you know, you kind of get washed away with the waves a lot of times, especially when you're, you know, you're that young and you don't really have um, a foundation or you don't really have uh, uh, what's what's the best word to really you're, you're kind of just getting pushed by the wind, wherever the wind blows, you know, yeah, for the most yeah, part. No solid foundation there. Yeah. So when you were in middle school and high school, were you involved in youth group or anything or any activities? I'm guessing you were involved a little bit with FCA, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did a lot of a lot of FCA. We didn't. We never did youth group just because we always had sport sporting events, practice and stuff um, during the week on Wednesday nights. I think that's when it was back when I was um, in middle school and stuff. So yeah, never did that. Um, but was really highly involved with FCA. Um, and you know, I would I would say one of the FCA guys back when I was in high school. His name was Rodney Ring. Yeah. He was one of the dudes that kind of helped me solidify you know my faith. Um, he was one of the guys that kind of showed me as a, from a father figure standpoint, like what is a Christian? Why do you want to be a Christian? You know, what do Christians do? Um, and so he was, when I was, you know, one foot in, one foot out, you know, throughout high school, he was one of those guys that was every Wednesday morning we'd meet, you know, at 7am or 6.30am at, uh, the clock restaurant right in front of the high school, which is not there anymore. Rest in peace for the clock restaurant. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he would just kind of pour into me. So I've, I've been really f- fortunate, man, my whole life. I've had, you know, guys, um, men of God trying to pour into me, even when I've tried to run from it, you know, or even when I've had one foot in and one foot out, or even when I've been all in, you know, I've in all those seasons, I've had somebody who I could definitely count on to um, give me some truth. Yeah. Well, I am going to make this disclaimer. I was not the youth pastor at First Baptist Church of Venice when Trey was still in high school. Had that been sure. the case, I'm sure he would have been super active with no the youth group. So Trey had actually already graduated before I, I became the youth pastor there. But um, yeah, so so I'll, I'll, I'll say that disclaimer because I'm sure that would have that would have been the case. But uh, yeah, Rodney's a great friend of mine. I'm still very active with FCA along with your brother. Your brother does a great job, Clay working with yeah. the, uh, the Venice High FCA and, and plugging into those football guys, as well as baseball. Even, even though he's a football guy, I know he does a lot of strength training for the baseball team. And then Rodney and I also get to be character coaches for the Venice High baseball team. So we get to kind of cut up with Clay. And, of course, Clay, awesome. you know, he's, uh, he's, he's a man of God as well, and, and he likes to try to pour in spiritually to those, to those guys. So it's, it's fortunate that – um, teenagers can have multiple resources. Like you said, it's just important to have somebody. And even though, you know, you weren't necessarily plugged into a youth group, you had fellowship of Christian athletes, which that's FCA and even Rodney pouring into you. Um, because you've mentioned you, you didn't really have a father figure. You had your grandfather and maybe Rodney. So I know you've also talked about, you have other mentors in your life when you get to college and even, in, in NFL, you've had various yeah. mentors. So, so talk a little bit about the mentors and just the importance that you you believe in having someone uh, as, as a male, having another godly male helping you, mentoring you, maybe giving you a little bit of wisdom and direction. Yeah, I mean, I would say um, once you get to college, it, it I mean, it, it kind of changes from mentor to like somebody or people that you're doing life with, you know, because yeah. now... Um, you make your own decisions and you, you can follow, you can be hang out with this group. You can hang out with that group. You know, you can, um, you kind of want to be with people who are like-minded. And so I would say ever since I got to college, I kind of would always try to surround myself with guys who were like-minded and guys that had the same goal 
um, from like a Christian standpoint in mind. And so instead of, I mean, I guess you can technically call him a mentor, but it's more of like, man, we did life together. You know, we, every time we had lunch or every time, every day when lunchtime happened, we were having lunch together. Every time when breakfast was happening, we would have breakfast together, you know, instead of it just being like a one time a week or a one time a month thing, it was like a daily type of growth thing. And so even when I got to the league, man, like I've been really fortunate to have some great dudes in my locker room, um, great leaders as well, you know, from pastors to coaches, um, I mean, you name it all over. And so I'm um, just kind of trying to seek those dudes out, try to find out, you know, who is real, who's really about it, um, who really wants to walk this walk because it's impossible to do it on your own. Um, you need, you know, you need a community, you need a group of people um, to kind of keep you and hold you accountable and keep you on track and share, you know, some of the things that are going on because people from people outside of these, this, this faith don't really understand, you know, why you're doing this or why you don't want to do that. And, you know, all that type of stuff. So yeah, it's definitely, it's probably the most important thing in my opinion is a community and having um, a strong group of people, you know, you name it. I think, uh, I think, what was it? Jesus had three really close uh, disciples, you know, and then he had 12 um, as, who were also, he was close with, but he was really close to three of them. Um, so, you know, kind of trying to follow that model. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. So when you're in high school, um, y- you were Christian, but you didn't really have the relationship. You were getting a little bit mentored. So y- you talk about really when you go to college is really where that relationship begins to happen. Because at that point, like you're saying, it's kind of like you, you got to take ownership. Nobody's you, mom and dad are not really kind of looking over teenagers so much when they get to college. It's kind of like yeah. you have the responsibility, that freedom to kind of do as you please. So what would your advice be for, for let's say high schoolers right now that are, that are maybe they, they've prayed to receive Christ. Okay. They claim to be Christians, but maybe they haven't fully taken ownership. Cause I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like your faith wasn't really, you didn't really own it yet. It, it was more like, yeah. A ritual that you were doing, or maybe this is what I'm supposed to do because this is what my mom said, or this is what my grandparents told me to do, or this is what what Rodney or, or Pastor Tom or somebody is telling me to do. So, yeah, what would your advice be to teenagers that are maybe in that boat? Man, uh, I would say pick up the Bible for yourself and read it for yourself. You know, um, figure out what you what the Bible is saying, what how it speaks to you. You know, what what is actually true and what is like some stuff that your parents might've told you, or you might've heard from somebody else that the Bible actually doesn't say, you know, it really has no place in the Bible, you know, for that. And so, um, I would say do that. I would say find the community of people that are your age, you know, and try to lead them, try to help them grow, you know, find people who you think might be interested, um, who might, you know, that the spirit might be nudging you to. And, um, I want to say attack them, but obviously don't <laughs> attack them. Just, you know, have a plan and figure out like, Hey, this is who God, who God's put on my heart. And, uh, and so, cause once you start making disciples, once, once you get to, once the spirit is in you and once you start making disciples, that's kind of when you're on your own faith journey. Um, cause you can't, I can't, if, if I've never met you and I'm going to talk to you about Christ, if I don't know anything about Christ, there's not much I can really say to you to, um, give you information, you know, about this faith and this walk. And so you gotta have to have, you gotta have to, um, have your own knowledge, you know, and be able to speak about it on your, on your own. Yeah, very true. Um, couple things there that you said, I, I love this, the, the statement of go and do it for yourself, you know, don't believe it just because, you know, someone told it to you. I, I tell that to students all the time. Like, I don't want you to be a Christian because that's what Micah said to do, or that's what Pastor Tom said to do, or that's what Rodney or some of these other people are telling you. Know why you're a Christian for yourself, which comes from, like you said, reading the Bible for yourself, understanding what did God say? What does this mean? And how do I take true ownership of that? Uh, The other great thing that I love is you keep pushing this idea of community and surrounding yourself with with like-minded people. Another big mistake that I see teenagers do is they go to college and then they they are no longer plugged into a church or they, you know, because either mom and dad are not forcing them to or they just not sure where to go. And they're not, you know, hey, nobody else is doing it. I don't know when you got to Florida, was that was that something that was immediately on your mind or is that something that just happened over time? How did you get plugged into a Christian environment? I think you just all find you all, you you find out when and where Bible study is. You know, I mean, if you look for it, you'll find it. If you don't look for it and you run away from it, then you'll never find it. You know, um, and so it's just it's just your own personal choice. And I, I know some guys, you know, right away 
they're locked in. They, um, as soon as, as soon as they get to their campus, they figure out when, you know, crew, uh, the campus crusade is happening or when FCA is happening or whatever, you know, may happen. Or, you know, they wait a year and then stuff starts happening and they start falling away from their faith and then they have no foundation. They have no, um, no comfort. And then they run and they're in the Russian to find, you know, a church or they, you know, a couple years goes by and then all of a sudden some hits, hits them, you know, some tragedy, tragedy happens and, um, or something, you know, whatever may happen and boom, then they're, you know, running back to God as well. So, um, I would say start early if you can, you know, and not have to try to find it, you know, um, years later. Yeah. All right. So what was the, what was that pivotal point in college where you're like, okay, man, you know, I, I've got to have this relationship or was it a gradual thing? What, what really made you start taking ownership of your faith and wanting to really pursue that more? Well, I would say uh, I was re- pretty heavily involved, um, especially not as much my freshman year. I was I was present in there, but I wasn't as involved. Like I wasn't jumping in and trying to lead and trying to recruit guys just because I was trying to get my feet wet and try to figure out, you know, what is happening and where can I, I'm not trying to recreate the wheel, you know, I'm trying to push the wheel down the hill. So, you know, what is my area of helping? And so, um, it, so I would say I was really, I was involved. I was there. Um, I was trying to lead guys, but then my junior year, Um, I remember specifically just walking into my girlfriend's apartment. We were going to go to dinner and she hands me a pregnancy test and she tells me she's pregnant and I'm sitting there like, I'm this dude, you know, who's supposed to be leading Bible studies, who's supposed to be recruiting guys, who's supposed to be living this walk. And I got a pregnant girlfriend now, you know? And so from then on, you know, my, my girlfriend at the time and I had a choice to either run and do opposite of what of what the world said or what the bible says or we had a choice to stand on the word and know that we screwed up you know know that we didn't do it the right way but let's make it right as best as we can now and so i would say from that moment on um that's really when you know we started being on fire for the lord and um yeah yeah so that was that kind of that wake-up call of okay like hey you know, things have got to change, right? Like I, I realized yeah. maybe not that you necessarily live in a lie or a life of hypocrisy, but that you weren't on the path that, that you knew God had intended for you. And it's like, a, what for can sure. I be doing, you know, to be a better role model, to be a better witness? Um, because obviously eyes were on you, right? Like you're, you're a college athlete and, and you're, you know, you're breaking records, you're, you're, you're doing a lot of things on campus. And so obviously a lot of eyes are on you. So, so talk a little bit about being that, whereas, before we talked about the importance of, of having mentors, what is it like having eyes on you and watching you? Uh, it's very, um, it's very wavy, very up and down. You know, one day people love you. The next day people hate you, you know, next day, everybody's whatever. Um, (laughs) there's there's a, it's a roller coaster, you know, for the most part, a lot of times, honestly. Um, and it's been really cool to kind of see how, um, fleshly how you handle things and then how you're supposed to handle things spiritually Um, because your flesh you want to just eat it up you know when things are going well you want to be front and center you want to be posting all over social media so you can get your likes and your followers and your comments up and um, you want to be like this guy or this person who you might necessarily not be you know fleshly like that's what we physically as as human that's what you want you want to be you know the most popular but then spiritually um well, well, at, well, when everything's going well, you want to do that. But when everything's going bad, you want to like hide and want to get away from the, when you, I'm talking about like just when you're like flesh, like that's what you want. Like you want to get away. You want to make excuses. You want to say, oh, you know, don't blame me, blame this guy or blame that. Or, you know, this is what really happened. And um, so it's funny, like the swing, you know, of good and bad, you kind of want to just hide under a rock. You know, there's been times where I've been like, man, I want to delete everything, delete all social media. I want to just, I don't want to live, you know, wherever I'm living, I want to go somewhere and hide and just not, you know, talk to anybody and just take my family and get away. Uh, but spiritually, um, it's been really cool, you know, to see, or to see myself grow, you know, in that area of not letting your highs get too high, not letting your lows get too low. Um, and always having like a constant understanding or a constant faith in that, you know, whatever, if it's good, God gets glory. If it's bad, God gets the glory. If it's great, wonderful, horrible, whatever it is, as long as God gets the glory, that's really the end all importance of all of it. And so um, I like to tell my guys in the locker room, like, man, when 
lose, draw, record-setting game for good or bad, like, dude, it really doesn't matter, you know? And once you have that mindset of, like, man, as long as God's getting glory, um, I could care less, you know, what really happens, um, then you start getting the st- stability, you start, you know, having the foundation, um, you start having the purpose, and uh, it makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, man, that's that's some great advice. That's, that's some great tips. Uh, so, I'm, okay, I'm curious – when you're at Florida, you start off as quarterback, correct? Yeah. And then as as your time there and as maybe new coaching staff, they wind up transitioning you to to various positions. How did that play on on your your psyche? Did did you want to stay at quarterback? Did you mind floating around in different positions? Well, I wish I was good enough, honestly, to be a quarterback. I'd probably <laughs> be able to play a lot longer and I wouldn't feel like I do now. But uh I I think it was more of a thing like, man, I want to play. I don't want to sit on the bench and my best opportunity to play. And really, I mean, if you, if I really look at it, like I want to play in the NFL. And so what's my best opportunity to play in the NFL? It definitely wasn't quarterback. I just didn't have the arm strength um, to do it. Um, So, you know, what's the next best thing that I can do? And so that's kind of what my mindset was, you know, Um, I wanted to play when you're, when you're a freshman, especially when you're at like a school like Florida, um, freshmen don't play often, you know, they redshirt. And the last thing I wanted to do was sit on the bench. So, um, yeah, main, the driving factor was, you know, being able to play. And then the second factor was like, man, actually, you know, I'm probably not going to play quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, how can I get a jump start at another position slash career and try to make it? All right. Which that's a great tip for all young athletes out there is being coachable, right. And, and being not so, um, uh, prideful that you're like, ah, if I'm not a quarterback, I'm not anything. You you had your sights set on a bigger goal, a bigger mission, and you were willing to do whatever, right? Put in the hard work, learn a different position, transition, listen to your coaches. I'm sure you were getting advice from maybe coaches like, hey, if you want to go to the to the league, you're going to probably need to, to change positions. I'm guessing, is that the way it went down? Man, it sucked, bro, because playing quarterback for four years in high school and, and ne- never getting hit except for Friday nights <laughs> and then going to college where everybody's you know, six times bigger and then having to hit somebody every single practice. Like, man, there were times where I was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. Like, this is horrible. You know how sore I am. And just, I mean, having to hit people all the time, it just it sucks. You know, I mean, think about it, never hitting anybody until, you know, the game time and then now every day at practice you're hitting somebody and then you're at college and then you're playing under urban meyer who's crazy enough you know as it is um just all those things dude were it was rough i'm not gonna lie and it wasn't easy um but you know it's a team sport it's the greatest team sport there is you know and at the end of the day like i'm trying to win the whole thing um and that's that's part of the problem these days man everybody's so interested in their own personal statistics you know and selfish selfish ambition um and so wherever selfish ambition is, you know, that's the Lord can't be there either as well. So yeah. obviously you want to do well, you want to have good stats, but when you're, all you're doing is focusing on that and, you know, you're reading the newspaper articles every day and, you know, all that other crap that goes on in this world right now, um, it takes focus off what's really important. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's transition. So you go from college to, to now you're getting the opportunity to, to go to the combine and try out and, and transition to the NFL. What was that experience like from, from kind of a spiritual standpoint, you know, like where were, where were you spiritually? Were you like, okay, uh, you know, whatever God's will is, or were you kind of felt like God was leading you and, and it was like, this is meant to be. Yeah, no, I definitely felt like I had an opportunity. I definitely felt like he gave me these talents and abilities um, to play this game at a really high level. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think he, I don't think he wanted to waste the talent. I felt like I was, you know, in a good spot spiritually. I was in a really good spot mentally. Um, you never know with the draft what's going to happen, where you're going to go. Um, that's the weird thing about this job is that you know people um, pick you and you really don't have an opportunity to say no, or you know, <laughs> for the most part, you just got to go. And so um, I was undrafted. Uh, I ended up not end up getting drafted, but there was really only one or two teams that were really interested um, in me. There's we had, we got a, a good amount of calls you know, five or six calls, but really two teams that really offered, um, any type of, you know, money, um, for us. And we also like looking, looking back at it, those are probably the only two teams that we really had a chance to make it on. And so, um, we were in a great spot spiritually. Um, it was a really cool time. Um, we just had had our oldest baby. My wife was just pregnant with our second child. Um, so it was, it was, I mean, just that alone, pregnancy and children is a roller coaster, you know, and now you add, um, 
not no job security, you know, because you don't know where you're going to be. You you know, you add you just get done with college. So you don't really have, you know, any finances, no money at all. You know, mm. um, you know, probably had a couple hundred dollars to our to our name. Yeah. Um, and now we're you know making this big move to uh, Philadelphia, you know, a city that I've been to maybe once or twice in my life. But it's a big city. You know, it's not Venice. It's not Sarasota. You know, it's true. It's not Tampa either. It's you know way bigger than all of those places. So now we're going to a real real deal city um, not really knowing what we're going to get ourselves into. All right. So I, I'm, I'm really curious and I think this will help others. You, you have these expectations, right? Or at least I'm imagining you have these expectations of, Hey, I'm, I'm going to get drafted. I'm going to play in the NFL. And then to go undrafted and have a few teams interested spiritually, you're like, man, I felt like God wants me in the NFL. You know, I had a great college career. Why? Did you ever question like, God, why, why am I not getting picked up by a team? I thought this was your will for me. Like, what was that period like spiritually? Yeah. Like, no, no, t- totally questioned, you know, and it wasn't until you know, two or three years ago, you really find out some of the answers. You know, I truly believe if I would have just had everything handed to me, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in right now. You know, um, at the end of the day, like God knows best, you know, what for your personality, who you are. Um, and he knows how to give you things in a way that you'll receive it. And I feel like if I was the first pick in the draft, you know, with all this money, there's 0% chance I would have worked anywhere close to as hard as I had to have worked to get to where I am yeah. now. You know, there's no way I'd be in the league seven years later. You know, yeah. I probably would have made it two years and would have been out and would have all my money would have been gone, you know, and I probably wouldn't be married and, you know, all these negative things. Um, and so he knew exactly what I needed mm. at the time that I needed it. Um, and he was, you know, faithful as he always is, you know, in those times. And um, your first couple of years when you just get in the league and you're not drafted and you're making league minimum, it's a ton of money, but it's really not because at the end of the day, you're making, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars, but that's that could be the last time you ever get paid, you know, for the rest of your life. And so, I mean, we all know that you can't live off of that for the rest of your life. And then after taxes, and you know, not to get into all that, but um, so he he knew exactly what we needed um, at the time. It sucked. We were super embarrassed, you know, especially because we thought we were going to get drafted. Yeah. Um, we had a big party with our family, you know, everybody in our family on my mom's <laughs> side of the family was there. Um, this is good, you know, a great time, but then boom, you don't get drafted and you know, you got, you, you get picked up by a team and you got to fight your way to make it. But it was definitely, definitely embarrassing at first, uh, first couple moments. Um, but you know, like I said, God was faithful through it all. Man. I, I love that. I love that story of, you know, now you get to overcome odds. Cause that's the way, li- I mean, for the majority of people, I feel like that's yeah. the way life is. It's not always not everybody can be the number one draft pick. Not everybody can always be the starter, always be the stud. You know, there even maybe like for you, you were that guy. You were that guy for, you know, Pop Warner, Venice, uh, even Florida. And then all of a sudden now it's like, whoa, here, here's a piece of humble pie, right? Like yeah. what in the world? You begin to kind of question, you begin to kind of wonder, but you didn't give up. Like, that's what I love. I, I loved, okay, God gave you talents. He gave you ability. He gave you a skill set. And just because a door closed, it's not God closing the door. It's God saying, hey, here's an obstacle because I'm working on you. I've got a bigger plan that you, you trade can't see my plan yet, but I've got to take you through this, this valley to some extent so that you can come out better, more prepared for who I've got you, you know, who I want you to be and what I've got planned for you in the future. Yeah. And I think I think so many people miss that. And I hope teenagers, young people, you listening, when you come up against a roadblock or an obstacle, that doesn't necessarily mean God's closing the door. I mean, he may, but a lot of times he he wants us to work hard, right? He wants us to persevere and develop yeah. that grit and push. You know, things weren't handed to Jesus. Things weren't handed his disciples. Look how hard those jokers yeah. had to work. You know, like it was it yeah. was a grind. So I love that part of your story where there was that sense of embarrassment. It's like, oh my gosh. So, so what do you, now you're like, I got to get after it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I got to go put in some hard work. For sure. No doubt, bro. I mean, yeah, no question about that. A lot of, I mean, a lot of times as I get older and I'm going through life, you know, you realize that rarely ever does it happen the way you want it to happen. You know, we all have these perfect pictures or plans that we want it to, you know, go this way. Shoot. I mean, just planning one of my children's birthdays, you know, like parties, like, gosh, it never goes the way you ever, you know, truly intended to go. But a lot of times it turns out better, you know, because it's not, it's the way that God wants it to turn out or when it's wants it to go. So no, I'm with you, man. That's hundred percent for sure. True. 
Um, and that's all. That's awesome. So, okay, here we go. We, we get to Philly, we're grinding, we're working hard and you're, you're just on like kickoff team or punt team or something, right? When you first get there. Yeah. Special, special teams. Yeah. Special teams. All right. So again, yeah. we're starting at the bottom, you know, like barely making, you know, the team to some extent you're, you're on the special teams, but your goal is obviously much more right? So, so you're grinding, you're working. So, so tell me a little bit about, again, as this journey of, of trying to continue to pursue that, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, we were, I was just trying to figure out a way to get in, you know, that and the, the way the NFL works really quickly is that uh, there's 53 guys on each team um, during training camp and off season workouts. There's like 90, maybe, maybe yeah, 90, 90 guys. So they, they fire, you know, what is that? 37 people before the season starts, you know, almost half, almost half the guys. Um, and so, uh, each position only has a certain amount of guys you can have on the team, you know, to make up the 53. So like you always have two quarterbacks, you know, you always have a kicker and a punter. You always have, um, you know, four wide receivers. So those are like staples. Like you have to have at least this many people, whereas tight end, you know, you only, you really only carry three people. Whereas, but when I was in Philly, I was a sixth tight end on the roster Wow. during, during the off season. And so, um, you know, you just, I just wanted to make sure I put my best foot forward. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of doors that opened up for me, you know, from the stance of like, you know, special teams. And, um, so however I can make it, you know, you try to make it, you try to find your niche, you know, try to find what you're really good at at that time. And so special teams was it for me. Um, I ended up being, you know, the, the 53rd man on the roster, um, and then actually dressing for the games. So you, we got 53 guys on, on a team, but only 46 guys put pads on and play in the game. So the rest of the dudes just wear like jumps, a jumpsuit or like street clothes, you know, right. on the sidelines. Um, so I ended up being the 46 guy, you know, on the roster, I was a backup at a lot of positions and the first kickoff of the game, somebody gets hurt. And uh, <laughs> from then on out, you know, I started, I started on all four special teams, you know, my first two or three years. And uh, that was kind of my primary goal and my primary focus. But at the same time during practice, working on my offensive game, getting better at running routes, getting better at blocking, getting more comfortable in the things that I wanted to do in the future that I knew I was able, I, I physically could do, you know, just didn't have the opportunities because there's guys in front of me doing that stuff. So, um, yeah, just really focusing on special teams, you know, trying to hammer that down, try to be the best I can at, yeah. at that specifically, but also, you know, on the, during the week, the Monday through Friday, making sure that, you know, I'm in the, in the film room watching guys at my position, you know, guys who I want to, model my game after um and trying to make sure i'm make, doing that as well and not just focusing on special teams mm, putting in that extra work right continuing to grind continuing to get ready you know, yeah. i just i think it was my last podcast it was on preparation meets opportunity like i i love that mentality i try to teach that yeah. to my boys that, who are playing you know pop warner and other sports always be prepared for that opportunity and that's exactly what i'm hearing from you 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 were constantly preparing uh oh i think we lost maybe a connection here you there yeah i think i lost you the there? video My, sorry that's okay there you go yeah so constantly being prepared and that's what you were doing you were constantly preparing for that opportunity and then you were given opportunities and that's kind of the way your career has kind of seemed like it's progressed it's like you get an opportunity here you seize that opportunity and take advantage of it and i truly believe that's that's what god's teaching us a lot of times is always be prepared for certain opportunities, you know, that's, that's, you know, part of, of us as humans and in, in every aspect of our life. So that's, that's pretty cool. No. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I'm, 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 I'm I hear you hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Um, I know you've spoken to our youth group before at Venice and I remember you talking about kind of being a, a really almost like the, the team pastor <laughs> to some extent when you're at Philly, how does that happen? Like, how do you, come into a team, uh, you know, you're barely making the roster. Are you coming in immediately bold in your faith and trying to lead Bible studies or does that happen over time? I know you also had a group of, of amazing Christian guys that were kind of surrounding you and you, you were kind of teaming up with them, but, but kind of talk to us about that because I know some teenagers are so intimidated. Like, how do I become a spiritual leader? Maybe they don't feel um, qualified or maybe they're, they're like, well, I'm not the star quarterback. So how am I going to, you know, lead a team in, in prayer or Bible study? Yeah. Well, I think we need to be ready for those times for sure. I mean, cause there's going to be eventually a time where you're going to have to lead a prayer, you know, or lead a Bible study or step up 
for your faith, you know, and talk about what you believe in. But uh, for me, you know, I just walked in the facility in Philly and found out that they were doing a Bible study. Um, walk, woke up early that morning, uh, the next morning to do the, to go to the Bible study and our starting quarterback was leading it. And I remember like the first thing I thought of as soon as I walked through those doors and saw him open this up in prayer and start leading the study was uh, what am I doing with my life? Like why you, I should be doing this, you know, the, the leader, basically the most important person in this city for this organization is leading a Bible study. Like, why can't I do that? And so I was really challenged by that. You know, I was thinking to myself like, man, where am I at in my faith? Am I able to lead a study? You know, am I in the word enough to understand what it really means and be able to teach people about it? Um, and so that whole year, uh, I just remember, you know, uh, Nick Foles was the quarterback. Um, he's in Chicago now. But uh, that whole year was it was a crazy one, man, like just watching and learning from him. You know, there was players, which is different. There's players and coaches and staff um, around the organization in there. So there was all walks of life um, there where normally typically it's just players that, are, that do it together. And then coaches do their own thing and then staff do their own thing. So it was all three um, combined together. You know, I grew a ton during that year because I uh, was really challenged, you know, by Nick. And uh, so then Nick got traded the next year and there was a, there was a void, you know, um, for what Nick was doing. And there was definitely an appetite for what Nick was doing. And I think, you know, what we found out um, that's been really beneficial everywhere I've been, I've kind of been able to take it with me is that like, you know, for 10 minutes every morning, let's read a chapter. Let's go through a book of the Bible. You know, none of us are theologians, none of us are pastors, um, but we all have different aspects of life and different, you know, been through different things in life. And so, boom, let's get together. Let's spend no more than 10 minutes. Let's be sensitive to everybody's time. Um, you know, someone will open us up in prayer. Um, we'll do, we'll listen to the, to the, the chapter really, really quickly, you know, whether it's five to six minutes and then we'll, anything that is interesting to us, we'll hit on it really quick and then boom, we'll get out. And the next day we'll do the same thing, you know, the next chapter and then the next day, the next chapter. And so that's been, it's been really fruitful um, during my seven years in the league. You know, something that's really easy, something that's really tangible. It's not, like I said, none of us, no, none of us know the Greek and Hebrew, you know, of the, of the word, but we can study it and we can learn it, you know, the night before or during those 10 minutes that we have. Um, and just, you know, kind of just get a different um different glimpse of God, you know, every single time we go, even if you've read the book, I mean, we're going through James right now. James is by far my favorite book of the Bible and the Bible, the book of the Bible I've read the most by far, like not even close. Um, but you know, every single time we go in there and someone else tells a story about, you know, a specific verse in James and how it's helped them. I mean, you, you leave changed, you know, every single time. So that's kind of, kind of my model. Um, and that's the way that I feel like God has pulled me and lead me, uh, led me to lead other people. Um, because I'm not the type of guy that's going to stand in front of, you know, a thousand people shoot 10 people and speak. That's just not me. Like I can't, I can't, I'm not, I don't have that gift. I know people who have that gift and can talk for days and hours at a time, you know, and are, I mean, really, really gifted at that. That's just not who I am. That's not what I'm comfortable with. And sometimes you got to be out of your comfort zone, you know, and sometimes you got to take that leap of faith for sure. A hundred percent. But the majority of the time, you know, be in that comfort zone where God has called you that little niche, you know, that God's carved out for you and walk it that. Yeah. So, so young people listening, um, man, that was some great advice that Trey just said. You don't have to get up and give a speech to be a spiritual leader. It may just be sparking a little interest in like a little Bible study. Like you said, hey, let's just take, you know, 10, 15 minutes. We're going to read this chapter. We're going to talk about it. I mean, it, it, you don't have to make it harder than it is, right? You don't have to be this, this amazing theologian like Trey's saying. It's just you know, what did this passage, how did it speak to me? What did it mean to me? And just kind of talk about it. So that's some great advice, young people. If you're, if you feel God leading you to start something, start it, do it, take action. And like we just talked about opportunity, you know, preparation, meeting that opportunity, you prepare now so that when the opportunity arises, you can take advantage of that. All right. So, so Charlie, let's keep moving through. So, okay, that's, that's happening at Philly. You, you wind up getting traded. You, you have a couple of injuries, Again, I, I like the hard times. I like the the valleys because I feel like that's where a lot of times we're growing. Not that I personally enjoy going through those, yeah. but I know we learn so much. And that's what I'm curious about. Like, so, so during some of your injuries, you had two different ones, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was yeah, wild, wild, wild little time. 
um, for our family. What, what was the question you were about to ask? Okay, so you come off basically like Super Bowl champs, right? Mr. You know, Philly special, you know, which I think my son's working on that for this week in Pop Warner, by the way. But, nice. uh, so, so you're coming off all these highs, right? And then how much, how, what was the time frame between that and then an injury? Uh, one year, basically. Yeah, yeah one year. So you got to be thinking, wait a minute, God, I just accomplished all this. Like, I feel like things are going good, you know, and you got traded in that in the meantime, correct? Uh, my contract was up in Philly. So okay. I was a free agent and then okay. I signed free with agent. Chicago. So, yeah. Okay. Signed with Chicago. And then how, how many games did you get in in Chicago before the injury? The whole year. Um, okay, it so was actually, it was in, the, yeah, it was in the playoffs um, was when I got hurt. Uh, and then you're thinking, God, what's going on, right? So, so walk me through the spiritual. When you when you get injured and you know it's not going to be a quick, you know, pop right back up the next week, where are you spiritually with that? Um, I mean, honestly, just because of the foundation that was created really early on, um, I guess not really early on, but when I was in college, you know, um, and – with all the highs and lows that you go through in college, you know, my, my, my faith has never wavered, you know, it, it's never like, you know, yeah, we have questions like, I mean, why is what's going on, you know, but instead of like questioning God and like who he is, like at his core, it's more of like, man, like, what are you trying to show me through these times? Like, how can I, like, like I said before, like win, lose or draw, good, bad, ugly, hurt, not hurt, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. the situation is like, you know, how can we use this spiritually to benefit, God, you know, and so now I got a lot of free time on my hand because I'm injured. You know, what can what can I do? Where can I point my attention to? Um, how can I work on my marriage? You know, how can I raise my children um, in a God honoring way? And so a lot of times, you know, those things kind of get pushed aside during the season because you're so focused on, you know, the job at hand or the tasks that you have. And so, um, you know, that it, it was, it was tough, obviously, physically, um, obviously fleshly to not be able to play and have to take all the heat and all the crap that you take from, you know, people from that standpoint. But I mean, my wife's been awesome for, uh, been awesome. You know, like I said, I have a great group of people surrounding us. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it's not easy, you know, to watch ESPN every single day or have your kids, you know, to come up to you and say some kid was talking trash about you at school, you know, and it made me really sad and, you know, all that type of stuff, but that's part of the, part of the job. Mm. So again, I love the mindset, the perspective of, okay, well, I can't go out there on the field and do what I want to do, but what is maybe God teaching me or what other opportunity is there? And again, it's that insight of, okay, well, I'm not going to just sit here and pout. I'm not going to sit here and complain and just, you know, read these negative social media posts all day long. I'm going to work on my marriage. I'm going to work on my faith. I'm going to work on yeah. my relationship with my kids. So young people, he's giving you so much wisdom and adults. I have adults that listen to guys just because a door seems to close or, or there's some kind of heartache or, or something bad that happens there can be something good. Like Trey was like, okay, I'm going to use this for good, for benefit. Like what can I do in the meantime? Cause he can't, you can't change that. I mean, he can continue to, to try to work on his health, but he saw opportunity to work on other things that were, like he said, maybe taking a little bit of a backseat or not necessarily a backseat, but not getting the time and attention that now he could devote to that, to work on that. So uh, good stuff there, Trey. I lo- love that. All right. So you, you bounce back from that injury and did did you get traded now to uh or was Indianapolis how did how did Indianapolis come about I got fired in Chicago after two years and so they fired me and then um uh we were gonna I was done I was gonna retire didn't want to play anymore just because all the stuff I had I've been going through physically um and just wasn't you know in a good spot physically at all was um had a surgery I, I probably didn't need to have and then um, had another surgery that I did need, did need to have. And there's just a long recovery time with all of it and all the stuff that, you know, we went through. And so we were done. Um, I was going to retire. My family wanted me to be done with ball. Um, my kids are getting older now. And then uh, as soon as I got fired, there was a ton of interest. You know, we got a lot of calls from a bunch of different teams. And so the interest was there. That's one thing you always worry about. You know, are people going to be interested or do they do, do they still want you to, you know, come and play? And so um, we were good. You know, if no one called. And 
when since there were a good amount of calls, you know, it had to be the right opportunity for us. And um, we felt like Indy was a great spot, you know, something that we really prayed about a lot. Um, there's a lot of conversation about within the family and, um, we just felt like we, it was, it was the best idea for us to try it one more year. And so that's why we're here in Indy right now. That's awesome, man. So what's the spiritual atmosphere like with Indy? Have you been able to start Bible studies there yet, or is it still kind of new and you're still kind of feeling your way around? Yeah, it's great, man. Actually, there's a really, really good chaplain here. Um, he does an awesome job. Um, at our, our twice a week Bible studies that he does. Um, our head coach is a really solid believer, um, went to seminary. I think he preached for a while. Wow. That's um, awesome. played, played, yeah, played a long time in the league. One of the, one of our teammates actually just got baptized, um, two days ago, three days ago, um, at the church of the chaplain. So, um, just really cool. Um, yeah, really cool time here. Really cool atmosphere, you know, from a spiritual standpoint. And, uh, yeah, we started our morning study. Uh, I think last week was the first time we started it. So that's been going really well in the mornings. Um, you know, and so it's, it's good. Can't complain. Uh, that's terrific, man. That's terrific. Well, I know, uh, family's huge for you. And I know uh, your wife, you've talked multiple times about how she's a solid rock for you, right? She's, she's a, um, spiritually, she, she helps push you, motivate you, encourage you. Obviously I'm always try to tell teenagers, you know, it's important who you surround yourself with from friend standpoints, which you've talked about that, but also when you're dating and when you're getting married, it's so important to marry someone who is at least your equal spiritually, or that it's going to push you and motivate you to, to marry a believer for sure. So yeah. what advice would you give? Obviously, you know, you've had a lot of ups and downs and it's been quite a career roller coaster. Um, but having that rock of a wife beside you spiritually, you, you know, what advice would you give young people in the dating and marriage um, looking for a partner? Yeah, I'm not sure where I'm at right now uh, from a dating standpoint. I have my oldest is a daughter. Uh, she's, she's a girl, not a daughter. Um, she's seven, seven years old. And so um, it's definitely something that my wife and I have talked about. You know, I think dating in 2020 is way different than dating when, you know, we were children. And um, it's there's a lot of different motives, I think these days than there are than there were when we were younger i think shoot i mean even when we were younger it was kind of crazy too but it was it wasn't as it's not as pure now as it used to be and so um i would just i would be really careful uh for sure for one who you're dating i would say just because you know your friends are in a relationship or maybe dating um doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in a relationship you know or date as well um but i would also say like man you got to be really careful, um, especially at all times, especially when you're not married, because I know firsthand that, you know, all it takes is one time and boom, now you have a child, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you definitely want to make sure if you're in a relationship, um, that it's honoring and pleasing to God. Um, but also, I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't be in a relationship until you're ready to get married. You know, I don't know if you should really dabble in that. I think you should, you know, be really cautious. Um, it's, there's no, there's not a problem with being friends, you know, you, you can get to know somebody by being a friend um, with them as well. And so I just think you have to be really careful. I don't think, um, I don't think the religious way that has been thrown around, and especially when I was a kid of like, you know, um, uh, how they, how especially women these days have to deal with uh, the negative sense of like, sex like sex is good god intended sex to be yeah. good and to be pleasing to him you know like there's a time and a place for that you know obviously after you're married um for it but like you know people get so beat down in their head like oh don't do this don't do that don't do this like instead of focusing on what you should what you shouldn't be doing like focus on what you can be doing you know what god um is allowing you know in that time of your life yeah that's that's good advice man uh well trav appreciate you being on like so so as we kind of kind of do a takeaway what are some truths that you think, you know, if I could kind of leave just a couple truths with, with these teenagers, young adults that are listening to help them as much as possible in, in their faith journey and their growing in their relationship, Christ, what are some of those truths that you've, you've kind of grasped onto or, or God has taught you that you feel like, man, this is, this is kind of some of those pieces of advice that I'd really give young people today as they're, you know, trying to, you know, trying to live for Christ or trying to make their way through life. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things. I mean, uh, the easiest thing I can think of or th- first thing that comes to my head is that like, once you take one step towards God he or Jesus or Christ, he's going to be sprinting towards you. And so wherever you're at in your life, you know, whatever's going on, however far away you think you are from him, um, all you need to do is point yourself in his direction and he's sprinting and he's not, he's not meeting you halfway. He's not meeting you a third of the way. He'll come the whole entire way to meet you and be with you um, in those times. So I'd say that's one thing I've experienced, you know, um, wholeheartedly. I would say uh, the next thing is um, eventually your relationship with Christ is going to have to be personal. Um, It's not, you're not going to be able to feed off of, you know, relatives or family like we spoke about, you know, early on. Um, So I would say that for sure. Um, That's another thing I've experienced. And then the third thing um, I've experienced is my favorite verse in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 13. Um, And it says, you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so until you truly are all in, until you truly, it's like, it's like a a swimming pool analogy. You know, uh, you can put your foot in the pool, you know, you can go stand in waist deep or you can jump in um, and be fully submerged with the water and be wet, you know, um, and dripping. And so until you truly dive in and seek after him um, with your whole heart, you know, it doesn't just say like half your heart or doesn't just say like, you know, emotionally, like, ah, every once in a while or, or half in, half out. Um, Cause I've lived that life. You know, I've been in half in, I've had one foot in, I've been toe in the water. I've been ankle in the water, knee in the water, waist in the water. Um, but until you truly jump in all the way um, and you truly seek after him with your whole heart, you know, um, then you'll find him. And um, yeah, so those are some of the things I would, I would say and leave you with. Awesome, man. Well, well Trey, do we, uh, we're blessed to have you on the podcast, man. Blessed to, to, to be your friend and, and to have you um, sharing truth with, with teenagers and young adults. Wish you nothing but the best. Continued um, success and continue to have a major impact as God blesses you in your role as a, you know, as a spiritual leader and as an athlete and as a father and a husband. So appreciate you being on. Guys, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Um, please, if you have not, subscribe share this, you know, Trey just shared some amazing truth that can benefit a whole lot of people out there, but you need to share this content with others so that they hear it. Trey, where can people find you, man? Where's the, where's the best way to, to, to follow you, to keep up with you? Is that Instagram, you have Facebook, Twitter? What, do, what are you? Uh, I think I just, uh, I think I just have Twitter and Instagram now and I don't run them for the most part. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I run my Twitter every once in a while. That's probably what I'm on the most, um, but it's, uh, Trey Burton eight at Trey Burton eight. Um, and so, yeah, you can follow me on those two things. All right. There you go, people. All right, guys. Well, uh, well, God bless. And we'll see you guys in the next podcast. Bye-bye. I don't want to be just someone that's new. I speak my mind so free so you could hear the truth. Yeah, no.